loves, welcome back to Strip Down. I'm so excited to have an amazing guy on the line today. I told him when I connected with him on social media, but I just had to have him on because I love all that he was doing and that he stood for and like where his heart was. And I just thought he would be a really great, different type of guest to have on Strip Down. So today on the line, I have Justin Michael Williams, who's an author, a speaker, and a top 20 recording artist who's using music and meditation to wake up the world. Justin, hello. Welcome to my show. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so grateful to be here. Hi. Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. And, you know, before we kind of dive right in and talk about, you know, how you are meditating and, you know, using meditation to get shit done and, you know, stay woke and all that, which I just love. Tell us a little bit, you know, about you more than obviously what I just kind of read in your bio. Yeah. So, you know, I think what I feel really called to share with you right now, Ali, is, you know, I grew up in an environment that was that was really rough, unlike, not unlike what a lot of kids are facing today. I grew up in a home with gunshot holes literally on the outside of my house and uh, domestic violence and alcoholism in a, in a town called Pittsburgh, California, which a lot of people don't know there is a Pittsburgh in California. <laughs> but it's oh, wow. Yeah, I, but I only know about Pennsylvania. Yeah. 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 It's in the, it's in the East Bay, neck, like near Oakland. And, um, you know, I think whenever all of us have different kinds of traumas that we grow up with and whatever we do, we all find our ways to kind of cope and, and deal with that. And, you know, for me, growing up in that environment, there are really three ways that you get out of it. You either sell drugs, which I was not going to do. You play sports, which I really sucked at, or you are, or you're smart and you like go to college. And that was kind of the route that I took. I, I ended up getting a full ride academic scholarship to go to UCLA, and I got there and I was like free and and everything was open and I had money now because I had a scholarship. But then all the trauma started coming up to the surface. And I started recognizing, and I think so many of us have this moment that, wait, I thought I did everything that I was supposed to do in my external world to make, to like be successful or be happy or be validated. I did all the things, but inside nothing had shifted because I had tried to change my life from changing the outside instead of going from the inside out. And so, you know, that kind of set me on this path to um, really trying to understand what happens when we start trying to change our world from the inside out. And when we're able to take action and learn to trust our intuition and heal from the traumas and things that we we grew up with, like, how does that then impact and affect our world? And, And so that's kind of what I'm doing today. Wow, that's incredible. And, you know, appreciate you very much sharing that and, you know, childhood you know, how traumatic and everything, you know, that was. And I appreciate that you said also that like, we all go through our own traumas because we do, right? Like for yeah. some, obviously it's way more intense than others, but it's still trauma. And I do agree with you that we try to find ways to share it and also have it be healing. And that's like same for me. Like, you know, this podcast, as my listeners know, was born out of my postpartum depression. That was my own trauma of going through after being a mother mm. and everything, you know? And so it was like, once I got past that and was in a good place, I felt the need to find a way to start to heal and find this like cathartic, you know, healing in sharing my story and then having others share theirs, you know, stripping down to that real and raw and who they are. And I just think that there is so much beauty with that. And sometimes it's really hard to do that, but it really is so healing. So I just like have to say, you know, for you, like, you know, good for you being so mindful of that and really stepping into your power and who you are to help with that healing and then help others. 
Thank you. Thank you, Ali. Yeah, I mean, I think for all of us, you know, so many of us, we have, like you said, we all have our stuff. And it's not like the trauma Olympics, like who has the worst trauma, you know, like I, right. I definitely, you know, people have some more severe things than others. But for all of us, we're all trying to go through this life to undo and, and learn about the things that are lurking in the shadows and holding us back from becoming who when we close our eyes, we know we were meant to be like, whether it's you close your eyes and you can see the mother you've always wanted to be, or the father, or the dancer, or the singer, the creative, or the business idea, or the entrepreneur, whatever you see, we all know that we were put here for something great, for something specific. And I'm not talking about like fame or anything like that. If right. you want to be famous, cool. I'm talking about the calling on your own life. And there's so many things that hold us back from getting there. And what I have found is that meditation, which oftentimes people like consider this tool that's just to help us like relax meditation when we use it properly meditation is actually a tool that helps us become more alive become more connected to our passions more connected to our intuition and when people learn how to use meditation that way it changes from this quite frankly like boring ass practice that you have to force yourself to do every day into something that actually helps you get more done helps you live your purpose purpose more effectively. And, and that's really what I'm trying to share with people in the world right now. I love that. And I think that's so, so true because one of the things that truly helped me when I was going through my postpartum depression and my different, you know, anxieties and traumas was meditation. You know, of course, I, you know, about therapy and things like that, but it was meditation that I really found really gave me like this enlightenment. And I agree with you. I really felt connected to who I was and self and started finding this like relief and like gratitude at the same time and all these things when I actually found myself meditating and not feeling forced to and, and feeling called to I think is such a difference yeah. when you actually feel like wow this is something I want to do this is something I feel within me like this feels right and it's like now for me I laugh at myself but I meditate like almost every day and you know old Ali could barely even sit for five minutes and meditate mm -hmm. you know and <laughs> me like, too like you realize like wow this is really doing something to me. And, and I love that you said you connect more because you do like, you feel that deeper pull and you're like, wow, okay, this is, this is really serving me, you know? And so can you, can you speak to a little bit more about that? Because I love that you said, you know, with like for your own, you know, meditation, you're like, especially with the book, of course, that we're going to go into how it's not a typical book about mindfulness, but can you talk just a little bit about your own journey with meditation and like, you know, why you feel like maybe some people it doesn't stick and why maybe they struggle or how they feel it doesn't help. Like, I would love to hear your perspective. Oh yeah. I have tons to say about that because the truth is like when I went to my first meditation class, I freaking hated it. Like I, I literally <laughs> was here. sitting there like, what the, like, what is this? Like I'm sitting here. I can't get my mind to stop thinking I'm hungry looking at the clock. Oh my right, God. Like, like I'm getting anxiety here? doing this. Yes, yes. Yeah. Like that's, you know, and like I am, and I think I can tell like you, Ali, like a type A person, you know, right. who like moves and gets a lot done. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think is so important when you have that personality type, which so many of us do, is that you have to do a practice that kind of fits with your messy, modern life. And the thing that a lot of people don't know is that meditation, at least the way meditation originally started, was with a bunch of men who were monks sitting in the forest. 
And to become a monk, like way, way, way back then, you had to literally like give up everything in your life. You had to give up sometimes food for days and water for days, never have sex again. Oh my God. Like give up, leave your family and never talk or see them again. And this process to become a monk was so intense that the monks had to create this special practice. And first of all, let me say, meditation was not allowed for women, you know, back then, only for men, only for men. And the monks had to create this special practice that would help them devote their life to spiritual practice or to their version of God. And the practice that they created to help them disconnect from all those things was meditation. But the thing is, is we're not monks, right? We have like first world problems and to-do lists and iPhones and passions and emotions and kids and and relationships. And and we don't want to disconnect from those things. We want to connect more deeply to them. We want to become more passionate. We want to become more clear and connected to the things that we really care about most. And so the interesting thing that happens here is there are several different styles of meditation. But what I find is that the people who are doing the styles of meditation that feel a little bit more monastic, which means it like comes from monks. It works for some people, but for some people, it just feels like you have to sit there and you're like trying to force yourself to stop thinking the whole time. And then you're like, damn it, I must be doing this wrong because like I can't stop thinking. And you know, what am I doing? And then people give up. But the thing is meditation, the true, true thing about meditation is it's not at all. It is not at all, at least the practice we should be doing, is not a practice that has anything to do with clearing our minds or getting us to stop thinking. Meditation, like I said, is a practice that teaches us how to be with our minds, our bodies, and our emotions as they are, without judging, without pushing things down, and without forcing stuff. And so, and and, and here's the thing, Ali, like, so many of us, we have so much practice at pushing things down. Like we do it all the time, right? We push down our emotions. We push down the pain. We push down our feelings and our anger and we don't say things. And when we do that, that seeps out into other parts of our lives and ends up like creating explosions in places where it doesn't belong. But when we meditate, we actually allow all of that to come up to the surface. And sometimes we just clear it. Sometimes we just got to cry it out. Sometimes it just needs to be let go of and brought up and processed and released. And sometimes, and this is one of the most important things will show up for us in our meditation practices consistently. They'll show up in our thoughts. We'll have images about it. And that's your body's natural intelligence telling you, Hey, this is something in your life that you need to pay attention to. This is something in your life that you've been pushing down and that you need to take action towards. And so the main tips that I'll be very quick about to tell people that are so important if you've been thinking of trying meditation is that number one, you do not have to get your mind to stop thinking. It is impossible. That would be like me saying, okay, guys, time to meditate. Let's get our hearts to stop beating. Like, no, it just, (laughs) you know, like it's just not going to happen. What people want, I find, is not to get their minds to stop thinking They just want their thoughts to work for them instead of working against them. And that's what we learn to do in meditation. And then the second thing that I want to share that's usually a myth that a lot of people think is like, I tell people, all right, let's meditate. And then they're like, okay. And they like sit cross-legged in this super freaking uncomfortable position where like (laughs) their back's hurting and their knees are hurting and like can't sit. 
if your body's not comfortable, your brain won't be able to relax. Like that mind-body system is much smarter than our conscious brains. And this is why I'm sure you've had this experience. This is why if you sit and try to meditate and you're uncomfortable and you try not to move, your, your brain's going to call upon like all its forces. It's going to try to make you sneeze and cough and itch and scratch and go to the bathroom. It's like, it's like, all right, she ain't moving. I'm going to make her move, you know, like, because I'm uncomfortable. And then, so the thing is, is when you meditate, you're allowed to move. You can actually, for most of us, being still is really uncomfortable. So you can kind of pulse with your breath and let your body sway from side to side. You can sit on your couch or on your bed or with your back up against a wall, you know, and just make sure you're like luxuriously comfortable because that'll get your, uh, your body or your brain to be in a position to relax. And then the very last thing, the very last thing that I'll say about this that I think is one of the most common misconceptions that I kind of hinted at earlier is that meditation is not about relaxing. People think that meditation is supposed to be this relaxation technique. But what meditation is really about is about becoming more alive, more connected to everything that we're involved with so that we can live a more passionate and purposeful life. And so when you sit to meditate, if you've been pushing a lot of shit down, you may have a lot of shit come up. I don't know if I'm allowed to say shit on here. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm like, like, oops. We're we're real and raw here. You're good. No, I mean, and it's true. And I completely agree with that. I'm getting like a little bit emotional as you're saying this because I'm Mm. like, wow, that's so true. Because for me, I was pushing so much down. And then when I started to find, like you said, kind of connect and find this like purpose, you know, in it, all of a sudden it was like, not only the tears, but it was like so much came up and I was like, oh my God. Like, what is wrong with me? But you're right. Like, that's a huge part of it. Yeah. And so I was saying that, you know, a lot did come up for me. And it was, you know, not expected for me to have so much come up, I think. And I think you make a really good point when you say in meditation that, like, when you do connect the right way and you do find like that purposefulness, it, it I guess if that, if that makes sense, it's like that is a true connection and that could happen and will happen. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, is, you know, we think that we're supposed to sit down and meditate and like, you know, have everything be really peaceful. And we're like, Oh, if we had a peaceful meditation, then I must be doing this right. But the truth is, even when I sit down to meditate, like if you're anxious, like you're going to sit down and, and your meditations might feel anxious, but the way that I describe meditation that I, that helps a lot of people understand the purpose of it a little bit differently is kind of like cleaning your house. So like it's, you're cleaning your mind. So when you go to clean your house, there's usually, I mean, unless you're just in one of those weird moods that we happen to get in every once in a while where we want to clean, like usually cleaning your house is not relaxing. Like, especially if it's (laughs) actually messy, like you're like getting things and you're scrubbing and you're, you know, putting shit away and you're vacuuming and you're doing everything. But when you finish cleaning and you sit down in your house and you grab the kombucha or the glass of wine or whatever it is that you have, and you get to what you're like, Oh, like I love my space. Like, ah, it just feels so nice. And then you get to go throughout your day and the rest of the week, like enjoying this clean, clear house. That's what meditation is like. Sometimes the 15 minutes or the 20 minutes or the five minutes that you're meditating might feel like work. It might feel like you're doing something, like you're cleaning something. It may not feel relaxing, but when you're done, you feel the benefits afterwards that actually 
help you go throughout your day with a clean and clear mind. I think that's beautifully said. And it's true. It's like most of us don't, you know, unless you are like OCD or you like really enjoy cleaning, like it's not something you think to do all the time. And you do get kind of like chaotic and just kind of go with the flow of it. Cause I definitely do. I'm always like in chaos, but I don't realize that like my mind is in true chaos. And then when you do meditate, you kind of remove that chaos piece by piece. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yep. That's how it feels. You remove the chaos piece by piece. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, and I think that as I get more and more into meditation, I, I realize that and I, I feel that and experience that. And I also love, I have to go back to, I love that you said, don't have to be, you know, just sitting still or cross-legged or like, there's not one right way to meditate. Cause I love that. Cause especially being pregnant, like a lot of times I lay in bed and meditate and I don't want to move because like, I'm comfortable and that's like my, you know, cozy space before I start my day and get, you know, crazy. And like, I want to lay there, you know, just with my belly and just be there and just exist, you know, and mm-hmm. not get up mm-hmm. and have to do the whole thing. And I think it's great that you said that because I think so many people feel like you have to be in a certain position. You must do this. Mm-hmm. You must do that. And I love that you said like, no, that's not true. And it's not one size fits all. Yeah. Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. And, you know, one of the things, Ali, I think it's important, and and especially for the women listening, you know, on this podcast is, you know, especially in the the climate of everything happening in the world today for equality and for equal rights and for, you know, so many of us looking at everything that's happening in the world right now and asking, you know, what do we do? You know, we're seeing the Me Too movement and, and just all these things happening. And we're asking, what do we do? And meditation has really the power to help each of us find the agency so that we're able to not just take care of ourselves, but take care of ourselves so much that we are actually able to have the agency to take care of others and step into the world and help like create this world that we want to live person by person, you know, person by person. And I think that's one of the other really important things about meditation is we realize that we really are all connected very deeply. You know, we, we think we've heard about for years now, you know, the self-empowerment movement. But I think so many of us are looking and asking like, okay, so if we've all been doing so good with this self-empowerment movement, then how the hell did the world end up like it is now? And, and that's because I think so many people have just been focusing on this separate self. But right now, what's being called of us is to realize really how interconnected we are. And how each one of us learning to take care of ourselves and then asking the question of like, how do we serve the world? Like, what is the world that we really want to live in? How does that look? And what parts of myself are out of alignment with the world that I want to live in, the world that I see? Then we start to really unpack the deeper layer of this. And we start to, on an energetic level, you know, heal ourselves, heal generations, heal for our kids, heal for the planet. And, and I think that's where some of this gets, gets really juicy because we see how this benefits more than just one individual person. Right. Well, and that meditation is like not only a beautiful practice, but like you just said, like it actually creates like a movement and actually changes the way your mind works and the way you think and the, maybe the way you react or don't react to things. And I've even yeah. noticed with my own self, like I'm not triggered 
with, you know, as much things because I am able to meditate and find peace in other, you know, respects. And I don't have my emotions go awry as often as they used to. And of course, I'm sure like as you get older too, like you figure things out, but I really do believe so much of my own, you know, changes have come from the inner peace of meditation. Right. Right. No, that's yeah. it. That's oh, it. And like, yeah. no, I was going to say like, and I just, you know, I wanted to dive into obviously, you know, your book that's, you know, just come out called stay woke. Like you said, like, you know, readers will discover like how to actually find that stillness when your mind is going crazy and why most guided meditations can become boring after a while. And like, why nobody tells you about setting intentions and like, you know, like manifesting like what nobody actually told you about it. And how you can use mindfulness to take action, you know, for your own issues and your environment and just the different things that you believe in and the things that you're around. Like, I love that all that is encompassed, you know, into your book, because again, I just think that so many people hear the word meditation and they just go, oh, I just can't, or, oh, you know, mm -hmm. I really can't deal with that. Or, oh, it's this, like how you said, how when you had your own first experience, you were like, what is this? It's getting anxiety. I had the same experience. Like I went in with my friend years ago I'll never forget. I got looking at my phone. I was tapping my foot. I was like, oh my gosh, how much longer are we going to doing this? You know, I was like, you know, what I mean? the exact opposite of like allowing myself to just be still and just be. But now I'm like, oh my gosh, I can do five, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes now. You know, some guided, some not. And it's like, wow, that's incredible. So can you speak to obviously more of Stay Woke and, you know, this book that's just, you know, getting to hit coming in February, right? February 11th, yes. February, February 11th, 11th. Oh, I love it. 11th, such a good number. I'm sure you knew yeah. that, but I yeah. mean, that's so exciting. <laughs> that's so exciting, and, and congrats. Can you tell us a little bit more about Stay Woke and kind of the inspiration behind it and, like, what people will get out of this book with meditation, you know, further? Yes, no, thank you. And what I think is really important, and the reason why I wrote this book is, and, and this is a thing, like I say this in the book, it, the confession that I have for people when they pick it up and it says it right on the front flap of the book is that this is not really even a meditation book. Like, you know, what I know is that I'm going to teach everybody everything they need to know about meditation. But for people who came kind of looking for, oh, like, let me get a mindfulness book. Like, that's not the kind of book that you're reading. And that the reason why is I, I kind of mentioned this before, you know, we are modern people. We live in a high tech world and we're dealing with so many different struggles and problems and we're trying to take our businesses to the next level and our lives to the next level and we're dealing with shame and poverty and you know the, all the different social injustices happening in the world and when those things happen and when we're dealing with those things we need a type of meditation that really doesn't pretend that our struggles don't exist and i find that so many books they kind of give us this like utopian thing like it's like oh, okay so just wake up in the morning and like go sit on your cushion and light your candle and like sit and just be in like peaceful, blissful serenity. And you're like glowing with white light. And for most of us, you're like, that is not how I fucking feel in the morning. You know what I mean? Like that is just like, this is not the way it's working, you know? And some days, sure, you know, that's the case. But for most of us, that's not it. So for those of us who've tried meditation, but it's not sticking or, you know, we've heard about meditation, but you know, we've never really given it a shot. Like my intention in this book is to walk people step by step through creating their own, their own customized 
daily meditation ritual that really fits in with their own lives. And there's audio guided meditations that people can download for free if they need guidance. But like my real goal with the book is to help people realize that the guru is actually inside of you. And so many people tell us all the time, like, oh, you have all the answers inside you that you need. But like, nobody ever tells us how the hell to get to those answers, you know, like, okay, sure, they're inside. But like, where? Like, where? how do I find that, you know? <laughs> and, and we end up like, you know, having to call all these people and like, get a tarot card reading and get an astrology reading and like, should I do this or should I do that? I don't know. And the, the truth is, is the answers are within, like, we know deeply but so many of us spend so much time, like I'll say this to you on here, Ali, like one of the things I say in the book is that whether you believe in God or the universe or whatever, it doesn't matter, okay? Like I, I, for example, I'll say God here. Like what I believe is that prayer is when you're talking to God or the universe and meditation is when you're getting quiet enough to listen to the answers coming back to you. And so many of us spend so much time, show me the way, what do I do? I'm not sure. We're journaling, we're writing, we're asking, we're asking, but we never actually get still enough to listen to the whispers coming back to us, usually until they like have to hit us upside the head with like a brick until we make a change in our lives, you know? And so true. I love that you said that. My friend, uh, Amanda um, uh, Louise, who's like a big, like all about being mentally fit and she's a super fitness girl, but she's all about being mentally fit as well. And I love that you said that because she has said to me, like, you get little, like, you know, nudges and slaps mm-hmm. and, and then once you don't pay attention, it's like, boom, medical two by four. Like, hello, yep. are you paying attention? I'm talking to you. So yeah, continue. That just like resonated so much. I had to say. Yeah, no, it's real. And, and that's, to be honest, like, that's one of the things that happened, happened to me. So several years ago, God, almost, almost a decade ago now, wow. uh, my grandmother, who I was like super, super close to, got diagnosed with stage four cancer and the doctors told her she had two months to live. And this was like a shock to our family. My grandma was not that old, like not that I consider that old, she's 67, like seemingly very healthy, very active. And we were super, super close. Like I talked to her every day, like, like literally in college, like when I would be doing the walk of shame in the morning, coming home from somebody's apartment that I had no business at the night before, I would call my grandma. Like that's how close we were. And, and, and so we got this news and I flew home to the Bay area to be with her. And she pulled me into the room, shut the door and literally asked me a question that changed the trajectory of my whole life. She just said, if you were in my shoes and you knew you were going to die in two months, what would you do? And I'm looking at her like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And she just said, get quiet. Do that meditation thing that you're always talking about, you know? And, and listen, if you were in my shoes and you knew you were going to die in two months, what would you do? And in that moment, I literally like almost felt these tears start to well up. And I just said, I would stop every single thing that I'm doing. And I would record an album and I would start traveling around the world. And I would be speaking and I would be singing and I would be living my passion. And she just looked at me and she was like, I know, like, I know that's what you would do. But the thing is, I had always wanted to do music. I had always wanted to be speaking like ever since I was a little boy, but I let all the kids at school who tease me about being different, about being gay, about being too feminine, about being this, too black, like made me think I wasn't good enough. And I stopped myself. I literally shut it all down. And I think we all have these things. We all have these dreams and these passions that 
we can see, but then we think they're not for us because when we were younger, somebody said, you're too fat or you're too old or you're too ugly or you're too gay, you're not good enough, like whatever. And we stop ourselves. And in this moment, sitting with my grandma, it woke up this dream that I knew was inside of me. And at that time, you know, you would have thought I was living the dream. Like I had graduated college. I was making six figures. I was driving a BMW. I was living by the beach. But the thing was, I had built that entire life, Ali, like that entire life I had built based solely on this desire for me to get out of the circumstances that I grew up in when I was a kid. Like I wanted to go to college and do musical theater, but no, I can't do musical theater because I need to make money. So I should do marketing, you know, and I like everything that I had created was based off of a desire to leave instead of the real desire that I had for my heart. And this was the moment that really got me. There was this image that came into my head of like, when my grandma said this of me climbing all the way up to the top of this marketing mountain and knowing because I'm an overachiever and I'm type A as hell, like that I was going to get to the top of that marketing mountain. And sometime later in my life, getting all the way to the top of that mountain, spending all that time getting to the top of that mountain and then looking across and saying, oh my God, I just spent my whole life climbing to the top of the wrong mountain. And felt that, you know, like I'm on the top of the wrong mountain. And that, whoa, that's like exactly how I felt when my grandma said that to me. And so she made me promise her that I would do something and do music. And so that was like my... I won't say that it, I mean, it felt like a brick hitting me over the head because it was like my grandma dying for me to get that lesson. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it could have been much worse if I didn't listen to the message then. And now, you know, I'm so grateful to say I I fulfilled my promise to her. I ended up putting out an album three and a half years ago that charted in the top 20 of iTunes and like right next to Britney Spears and Taylor Swift. And, And I don't say this to brag at all. Like I'm saying this, Because if I can do this shit, like literally this little boy who grew up in a home with gunshot holes outside of his window, like if I can end up living this life where I'm in my passion and in my purpose and traveling around the world and doing music that I only started like eight years ago, you know, it wasn't like I've been, I mean, that's a long time, but it's not that long. You know, we can all do this. We really can. And, And my goal with this book and with meditation is to give people a practice and a tool so that they can hear their intuition, hear that inner voice, so it doesn't have to turn into a death or a sickness or an injury. And you can start on the pathway of living your purpose and stepping into the life you were born to live. I love that. And that's so beautifully said. And I have to tell you again, I'm, I'm hormonal, I'm pregnant, you know, but I'm because <laughs> so much you're saying is resonating, but also I now I understand why I further connected with you. I was extremely close with my grandmother that mm. she is named after and she passed away a little bit after um, my wedding. And she also died of, um, you know, lymphoma cancer. And she's always the woman who always pushed me to follow my passions. And she was always the woman who was like, you know, you know, leave New York, go to California, like, you know, do styling, like get into fashion, do what you want to do, you know? And like, she was the same, like she was like, live life, enjoy life. Like life is short, you know? And and I love that you said that. And she had that same encouragement for you. Mm-hmm. So beautiful, you know, and it just shows like how you were saying earlier, we are all connected in so many ways without even realizing it until yeah. we have some of these conversations. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Why we're, we connected so instantly yeah. online. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think that that's so amazing that you're putting that also into like the writing that you did with this book and what you're sharing. And like you said, I love that it's not just about meditation, like meditation, of course, is a huge part of it and helps encompass it, but you're trying to put out a deeper message there and to help with mindfulness and help people feel that inspiration and find it within themselves. And I think it is so true that like, when you do kind of block out all the noise and you allow yourself to just be, which is something I'm learning every day is like, sometimes you just have to be like nothing going on, not checking social media, not running around, like just be, that just there be. Is like beauty in that and growth in that. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with being mindful. It actually is very healthy and helps you, like you said, have that inner truth and those inner keys to yourself to be like, I can do this. And like, I'm the one who's going to do this. No one else. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the truth. And, and, you know, like one of the things this is so important that you just said, like, I'm the one who's going to do this. No one else. And, and that's the truth. Like the, and, and here's the thing, Ali, like I actually don't care. And I said this to my publisher when I started writing, even though I've been teaching meditation for almost a decade now, like I actually don't care about meditation, like at all. I only care about meditation because it is the tool that I know for sure has been and can be the most effective to put you on the express elevator to live your dreams and goals. Like for me and even the way that I, that I write this book and the way I take people through the book is it's not just like meditation for the sake of meditating. Like I take them through a process where we use meditation to first of all, the beginning of the book starts with writing a vision for your life and understanding what it is that you actually really, really want to create for your relationships, for your work, for your finances, for your well-being, for your passions, like really getting a clear understanding of that because so many of us never take the time to do it. And the reason why I integrate meditation into that, and it's not just a journal exercise, is because when we write our visions and we try to create our visions for our life from our heads, it's usually just our ego trying to create shit that we think we're supposed to want. But when we infuse meditation into this process, we start to write our visions from our hearts. And that's where the magic happens. When we're able to do a practice that helps us go deep inside to really listen to like, what do I really want for my life? Like, what does my soul really want for my life? And how do I shift from instead of being like, what's in it for me? How can I get ahead? Like me, 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 more, 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 what, what? to how can I be of service? How can I use my gifts and my talents and my skills to benefit everyone I come in contact with? And how does me stepping into the life that I like would just love to live, that I was born to live, how does that affect my family and, and the people around me? And, and this is where I like to take people in the book when they're creating their visions. And I think it, everything comes from a totally different place when you're doing it from this, from there. And so that's how I kind of use meditation throughout the book to vision is the first step. And then we go through several more steps, like overcoming self-sabotage, which is a huge thing, breaking through fear, and then learning how to use the practice to really get shit done and step into that life that we write about right in the beginning of the book. I love that. And I think that, you know, how you said about, you know, stepping into your own, you know, space and not letting yourself be driven by fear and self-sabotage and everything. I think that's such a good point. I think it's something we can all relate to because 
I know for myself, like I self-sabotage myself all the time because I'll talk myself out of things and I'll think, oh no, like that can't be happening or, oh no, you're not, you know, you're not at that level or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Like no one else feels that way about you and is saying that to you, but you personally are saying it to you and you're sabotaging yourself and your thoughts or whatever they may be that you think are thoughts are coming in and you're listening to them. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And, and, you know, I have a whole section in the book actually in the third chapter called toxic thoughts. And, um, it's a, it's a whole practice that we learn how to like understand very clearly. What are the toxic thoughts that are holding us back? Like get a clear understanding of what those are using meditation and then use the practice to be able to stop that self-criticism because oftentimes it's that self-criticism that you're talking about, like, I'm not good enough or I'm not cute enough or like, this is not for me or, you know, whatever. That's what stops us more than anything else. And so it's one of the first things that I kind of get into in the book to help people unlock, because here's the deal. Like if we're doing all these practices, like we're listening to podcasts and we're writing or we're doing gratitude practices or we're meditating, we're going to yoga, we're doing whatever. And we're doing all this personal growth stuff, but we have no understanding of what our like self-sabotaging patterns are. And I'm not talking about like the basic stuff. Like if you're getting blackout drunk three nights a week, you don't need a book or me or anybody to tell you that it's toxic. Like I'm talking about like the hidden stuff that is hiding in the background of our lives that sometimes we don't even see. And if we don't acknowledge and become aware of those things and kind of eradicate them from our life, then I find that meditating and doing all this personal work is like watering a garden full of weeds and expecting roses to bloom. It's like you may get a couple roses if you plant the seeds, but they're going to be covered by all these weeds. Mm -hmm. And so how do we pull out those weeds to create space for the garden that is our life? I love that. Well, and I think too, like what you just said, like really resonates for me and, and for so many of us, it's, it's true. It's like, how do you know where to begin if you're just kind of doing all these different things and you're thinking, oh, I'm doing all these different things. So like it should be working, but it's like, but, I'm, but you're not really you're just kind of doing it and doing action, but mm-hmm. you're not actually realizing like why you're doing it or what's, what is it doing or how is it changing, you know, something in your life. And I, and I agree with you. It's like until you come to that realization of like what you're actually doing, whether it be journaling or meditation or both or, you know, reading or all that kind of stuff and it actually impacts you and you pay attention to it. Like that's when I think like to go back to your book, like you, you kind of wake up, like you feel woke. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's it. You got it. <laughs> that's the way. Honestly, like I feel crazy sometimes, but like I'll say to my husband, like, I'll be like, you know, cause he'll, you know, he doesn't meditate, but he's like, good for you. If that's what works for you. And he saw how much it helped me with postpartum depression and becoming a new mom. So he's like all for it, but he'll like, of course joke with me cause he's sarcastic and he'll be like, Oh, you got to do your meditation thingy. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And he'll be like, you know, and afterwards I'll be like, how do you feel? And I'm like, oh, it's much better. I'm like, it's such a crazy day. And like, now I can like hear myself again and I can like hear my regular thoughts and not these like thoughts are making me crazy and toxic and this and that. And he, and he just kind of like looks at me, but it's like, in my mind, I'm like, because you're not woke. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. like, like, it's funny, but it's like, I get it now, now that I feel I am in that space and I feel very grateful to be in that space. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's funny, Ali is I, um, I have obviously taught to a lot of men and like, it's really funny because like, you know, the like sarcastic, like witty straight guy is like my favorite because they're the ones who are like the most skeptical 
and they're like, mm. but when you actually get them into a practice like this, that works, like you can't get them into like staring at a candle flame and all that bullshit. Like that's not, no. that's not going to work. Right. But it's like, when you get them into this space of like, Oh, this is a practice I could use to actually be a better man, a better person, to be more productive, a better husband, a better dad, a better, whatever, like, and you pull them into that, it like opens up this thing inside of them as the most magical thing to watch somebody go from a complete skeptic to like a total advocate. It's like my favorite wow, moment. So cool. <laughs> for you. It is. We got to get your husband here. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I know I'm getting your book in the mail, so I'm definitely going to like read it first, but then I'm going to be giving it to him and be like, all right, you need to just check this out. Even if you really don't want to, I need you to just read it. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, I have to like, I'll have to come by and like give him a, give him a little session with you guys together. That would be fun. Yes, definitely. <laughs> he's definitely that, you know, he's gotten more open. I think as he's seen me open up more and how it's changed my life and even our marriage and our relationship and our communication for the better. And so I think there's a part of him that really believes in that part of it and sees it within me, but it's, yeah who still doesn't like, you know, practice it or feel it within himself. Like, you know, he's a really incredible golfer. He was, you know, better than scratch. Like back in the day, you know, when we first moved, you know, moved from New York to LA and he's still a really good golfer. Now he, you know, doesn't play nearly as much as he used to, but he's still a really good golfer and he plays tournaments. And he had someone the other day, like make a comment and say like, wow, he's so really like really, really good. Like we need to get him on another team. And he told me, and I was like, yeah, you should be proud of yourself. And you should recognize that. Like you are really good. And he just looks at me and he goes, yeah, well, you know, I feel like over the years I've gotten blah, blah. And then it's like, there's that negative. There it is. You know? yep. And I'm yep. like, I'm trying to say to him, I'm like, don't think that way. Like, I'm not saying have an ego, but like, don't, you know, think that way. So it's so true. It's like, even your simple little practices, like in that situation, there can be such a difference. Yeah. And it affects your choices. Like, what yeah. if, what if that wasn't his mindset? What if he was like, oh, I am where I am now and I'm so excited. Like maybe I'll, you know, whatever. And then maybe he goes and joins this golf thing and meets some people that end up like taking his, you, like you never know what's going to happen. But what I do know is that those uh, self-limiting thoughts and, and negative self-talk moments, like they're pretty much always pointing us in the wrong direction. Right. Yeah, I agree. So one thing, Allie, that I that just happened that I like just happened. I'm like randomly holding the book in my hand, which I normally am. I'm normally not doing during podcast interviews, but I just had it right on my desk. And the second half of the book is um, the like the first half of the book teaches people how to create their own practice, their own mantra, like their own unique recipe that works for them. And then the second half, I made because I love the you know those books where you can just like. It's like, you can just flip open and read like a page or two and that's it, you know? And there's like little practices. And I love books like that. So the second half of the book I made where it's 33 little mini practices that you're able to kind of like just close your eyes, like open up to any page and like see what practice is speaking to you. And I just randomly like did that right now when we were on the the call. And I opened up to this practice that I thought would be perfect for your listeners called the prison of perfectionism. Mm, I mm. I can I, can I tell, tell you guys a little bit about it? Please. Okay. So this is a, it's like a very short practice and I'll just, I'll just read to you actually what it says. It says, they tell us buy this and you will be happy. Eat that and you'll be healthy. Read this and you'll be enlightened. Take that class, lose more weight, apply more contour, get that degree, make more money, buy that house, keep feeding the system. 
And then you'll finally be ready for and worthy of that dream. Perfectionism is something that fools us into prioritizing acceptance and validation over our purpose and calling. Perfectionism gives us the illusion that we're in control when really we're just spellbound by our fears. How many songs or stories or scripts or business ideas or relationships or dreams have you buried waiting for the impossibility of perfection to let them bloom? Read this carefully or listen to this carefully. You do not need to be perfect to be deserving of the things you really want in your life. You are whole in your imperfection, exactly as you are right now, baby. Move forward in spite of your fear. Tell those voices screaming for perfection to shut the fuck up and then prove them wrong. That's how we take back control. That's how we break the system. The time is now. Whoa. I literally have goosebumps, Justin. Oh. (laughs) Like, whoa. I mean, oh my God. I mean, that just like, there's so many points to that, but so freaking well said. I mean, amen. Like it's, it's just so true. And it's something I'm learning, you know, every day, even within myself. And I feel like I really am learning it, especially with being a mom and being pregnant again. It's like children really, you know, they're so new and they come from that other side of the world. You know, like you said, God, universe, whatever you believe. And they are so connected. And I think that, you know, being Amelia's mom, I'm learning so much about myself in raising her and, and watching her and seeing how she views the world and the way she looks at things. There is no toxic thoughts. There is no negativity, you know, there nothing, you know, nothing affects her the way like it affects us. And it's like, wow, all that of what you just said, like, it's, it's just so true. And it's, it, and it's, and it's been within us from when we were really young, but yeah. then time like you said we're fed all this bullshit and then we all of a sudden question who we are yeah that's it that's it we question it and then we start to reach for things on the outside to try to fix it you know or try to hide it or try to band-aid it and you know we have an opportunity right now in the world to to really really step in and step up to the plate and we need we we need all of us like the woke people the conscious people the spiritual people the conscious entrepreneurs who want to make an impact like the we need our people to really like step up to the plate and step into our purpose and you know i wrote the book and the subtitle of the book is a meditation guide for the rest of us you know stay woke a meditation guide for the rest of us and and a lot of people constantly are, are were asking like who's the rest of us you know and and that's what i'm talking about it's those of us who are on the side of this movement for a better world for living in our purpose, for not being fooled by the system, for not stepping into this, you know, society that tells us that we have to be perfect, for knowing that we are worthy as we are, you know, and and using this system that is inside of us, that is free, that doesn't cost you anything to use. That's by the way, like that's the reason meditation is not bigger than it is because like it's hard for companies to capitalize off of it. It's very hard. Like when you have a practice that's free and requires very little guidance, like what do you, what do you need? You know? And so if we all learn this practice and we're able to really step up and grab our own agency to do that, then we're able to be more empowered and make better choices and kind of step into the system when we want to be in it, not when we're being controlled by it. 
Uh, yeah, I think that's so well said. And I, I can't wait to get your book and get to like really experience and like, you know, go deep and like really, you know, just follow like what you're saying and get to read. I'm really interested to read about the toxic thoughts. But I feel like that's so relatable for like all of us, no matter what you know, mm-hmm. life you're in, we all have them. And so I'm really excited to get to especially read about that. But before I let you go, I just want to know, like, besides, of course, where we can find you and, you know, get the book and all that, but like, what would you want to leave my audience with? And what would you maybe want to also like, you know, if you could teach us about something about meditation, even just for today as a tip, as like a daily thing that they might be able to do. I would just love to hear from that. Yes, yes, yes. So the most important thing, so like while I would love for everybody to go order, pre-order my book, depending on when this airs, what is actually more important to me is something really amazing that we're, that we're doing with the book. And um, it was an amazing thing that I was able to get my publisher to say yes to. So, you know, one of the reasons why I wrote Stay Woke is to get it into communities who can't afford or don't have access to a lot of this information. And so what we're doing is we're actually like completely turning the traditional book tour model upside down on its head. And the traditional book tour model is you kind of go to these like bookstores and affluent neighborhoods and you do these readings and events. And what we're doing now is we researched the 10 most impacted cities in the United States, places like Flint, Michigan and Atlanta and Chicago and Oakland and uh, Detroit and Baltimore and these different places in the the country. And we're actually going to high schools and we're going to colleges and we're giving away thousands. I'm talking tens of thousands of copies of the book for free to entire student bodies. And we're doing these big events with the students that are kind of like a Ted talk meets a music concert and teaching them all how to meditate. Because even if we go to some of these schools, like some of the kids are at a reading level that they, they won't be able to read the whole book, but I want them to all to still have this practice. And so we're doing that with my publisher starting in February and going throughout all of this school year and all of next school year. And we're trying to take this to as many schools as we possibly can. And right now we have 10 on our list, but we all know there's so much more work to do in the world. And I think one thing that probably all of your listeners believe and, and that I believe, and I know you believe, Ali, is that no matter what we've been through, no matter how we grew up, we all deserve access to the information that's going to change our lives. And so for people out there who are asking, like, what can I do? You know, how can I give back to those in need? Um, we've set up a website where you're able to donate any amount, large or small. Like it only costs $8 per child for us to get this out into the world. And so people can donate as little, like as little as they want or as much as they want. And this helps us bring the book, bring the event, bring mindfulness to um, kids around the country who, who don't have access and can't afford it. And so the link to that is um, staywokegiveback.org. And that's staywokegiveback.org. And for anybody who gives as little as anything that you want, like $8 or whatever, um, they get access to like a free masterclass for me a free guided meditation for me that's called the forgive yourself guided meditation. That's all about forgiving yourself for all the ways that we haven't shown up for our own selves. And then you also get a sample of the book. And so I would love for you guys to order the book, but more than I care about you ordering my book, I care about us getting this out to those kids. So that would just really mean the world to me. And it's staywokegiveback.org. 
That is so amazing. And I love that. And I love that you're like going to the children because again, like with what we were saying, like it starts with children. It starts, you know, with the young minds and everything, especially with like changing different things in the world and, and, and their mindsets and everything that they go through and shaping their lives. So I just think that is so incredible. And I'll make sure to put the link in the show notes. And then of course, where can we um, pre-order or order the book? Yeah, so it's uh, anywhere. So Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, anywhere, but you can also go to staywokegiveback.com. So staywokegiveback.org is for donating to the kids. Staywokegiveback.com is for all the public events that I'm doing around the country and also um, looking and also pre-ordering the book. But you can also just search Stay Woke by Justin Michael Williams, anywhere books are sold and you should be able to find it. Amazing. And then uh, how do we find you on you know social and anywhere, of course, want to check you out and everything you're doing, how can they find you? Yeah, my Instagram and socials everywhere is at we just will, W-E-J-U-S-T-W-I-L-L. That's for Justin Williams. <laughs> and yeah, um, so perfect. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm, I'm super active. I'm super active yes, on all very, those. We're always on each other's stuff. Yes, you're very, you're very active and you're always posting amazing, you know, different, you know, even mantras on your stories and all kinds of stuff. That's how I found you was just loving all the things you were sharing and the different types of meditation and everything. I started following along and reading and watching like the different things you were saying. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is just so awesome. And I was like, you know, it was resonating with me. And then I was like, Oh wow, I wanted to come on my podcast, you know? So I was like, yeah, you know, I love, you know, I love all that you share on your social and everything that you're doing. And if there's one thing you could leave us with as far as like a daily tip, I don't want to say tip, but something like yeah. if, you know, someone's like, okay, I'm listening to this. I'm feeling good. You know, I want to meditate or I want to try to do something today, you know, just today to start. What would you say? I got you. This is my number one tip. Like the most important thing that I could tell you is it's about protecting your mornings. Um, science has proven that what we do in the morning affects our day more than pretty much anything else to the point that if you look at anything negative, not just negative news, but like you look at your phone in the morning and you have a text message that somebody needs something from you or you overdrew your checking account on accident last night or whatever, like that you actually have a 27% chance of six to eight hours later reporting that you are having a negative day. You're 27% more likely to report having a negative day if you saw something negative in the first 20 minutes of your day. And that's because our brains when we wake up are scientifically proven to be in a similar state to that of being hypnotized. And I want you to like, people kind of brush by that when I say it, but I want you to imagine if you went to a hypnotherapist and they hypnotized you and then they started scrolling an Instagram feed in front of you, they would literally lose their license because it's like so irresponsible for them to put you in a state that is that permeable where your brain is that permeable and then scroll or bunch of random shit by your mind. But we're doing that to ourselves so often every single day. And so whether you choose to meditate or not, which I would love for you to meditate, but whether you choose to meditate or not, make sure the first 20 minutes of your day are a time when you check in with yourself before you check in with your phone. 20 minutes, that's it. You wake up, you're going to make your coffee, brush your teeth, get in the shower, whatever you're going to do. Just not looking at your phone would make you 27% more likely to be happier throughout the day. And then if you want to add on to that and add on to your ability to be happier, then in that 20 minutes, instead of just making coffee and chilling, listen to a podcast, do a gratitude practice, meditate, do something in those first 20 minutes of your day that set you up for success 
and it will make, you should see like thousands of people literally all over the country. I've put on this like protect your morning practice and people are shocked at how big of a difference it makes. Like, I've been, it's funny. I love, I love, by the way, such a good tip, but I'm totally going to start it and jump on the bandwagon and follow this because it's something I've been trying to do. And I've been kind of like playing with like, okay, I'm going to meditate, but I'm, but then I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm going to write in my journal and I'm going to start and like feed Amelia breakfast. And like, I'm not going to get on my phone, but some days I notice like I don't stick to it. And I do notice a little bit of difference now that you're saying this and you're actually saying this is part of one of your tips, one of your practices. I am completely in and I'm going to try this. Yes. Yes. And it's, and this is not like what I love about this. This is not like, woo woo, like woo woo, whatever. This is like scientifically proven you can google it like ariana huffington did an article about it about the research and so just a really important tip that will make a big change in your life right away i love that well justin thank you so much for being on and like sharing so many great tips with us and also like just your own real raw self and everything that you've gone through in the last decade to like where you are now and congratulations on your book i'm so excited to get mine and get to dive into it and you know, just thank you for being on, you know, Strip Down. I really appreciate you sharing so much of everything that you're doing with myself and my listeners, because I know that it's going to be really impactful for all of us. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a privilege. I don't take for granted. Really grateful. And thanks for all you're doing out there in the world, Allie. It means thank a lot. You, Justin. Until next time, guys. Cheers. Bye.